Thank you for joining us on The Stewardship Project. I'm Andrew Mitchell. I'm Sean Salitro, and these are our afterthoughts. So today we're talking about nutrition as a follow-up from our conversation with Amanda Scaletta. Such a practical conversation, even before we started recording, Sean and I were already talking about our own personal experiences and friends and things like that, that we just feel like this could be such a powerful conversation. So just looking to share our own thoughts and kind of what we took away from the conversation. Sean, I'd love for you to get us started by just talking about, you know, what's your experience been with nutrition, kind of your cultural experience, and then maybe let's even answer the question, you know, what has your goal with nutrition been and maybe how that's changed over time? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say my, my general experience uh, is probably not, terribly different than a lot of people's you know you said we were talking about friends and family different people who could benefit from a conversation like this but generally i can't think of a time in my life when i haven't thought about appearance (laughs) or weight um yeah you know or the idea that i love food so much you know that (laughs) that that's just like a conflict of interest and as far as my overall goals go um but you know i mean we we grow up in a culture where appearance is a big deal. You know, we watched mm. it on TV, we go see the, you know, the checkout lanes at the store. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like in the nine days, it was all about what the cover magazines were. I feel like those aren't as prevalent <laughs> anymore, but you know, you know, the, like appearance is a big deal because you yeah. know, have your picture taken at places or you're going to get your school pictures taken. So, mm. and then there's comparisons that happen with other kids that you go to school with or see everywhere. Yeah. And I remember the, yeah, the biggest thing for me growing up was junior high. Mm. And, this is, this is this experience I always tell people about when I'm talking about uh, different uh, issues I had growing up with bullying. Sure. Um, but one of the earliest experiences I had with like comparison was uh, this really weird experience I had in junior high when I got to school on one of my first days of school in junior high, which is already a weak moment for some people. I guess for everybody's insecure, but um, <laughs> this girl was going around to the different lockers where guys were standing and was asking to, to feel their abs. Like she's like just poking people's <laughs> stomachs and like show me your six pack and I was just like I do not have a six pack and I was like that moment like self consciousness just like became a norm you know like mm. I can't live up to that standard that's being placed on me and so now you know it was like a marking point in my life for mm. you know I got to be focused on looking better mm-hmm. um, feel not feeling better but looking better having not being as overweight or um mm. not getting to a certain point because i'm not going to be liked or yeah i'm going to like myself you know so yeah i feel like that's just kind of bled into all parts of my life afterwards i can mm. probably point it back to that experience of just saying like <laughs> since then there's been that self-conscious norm of yeah i have to be a certain way and if i'm not i'm not going to live up to a standard even if that's like my own self-created standard yeah that's super interesting. Were you a sports kid growing up or were you no, no, not at I all? I love, like, I like sports. Sure. Uh, I well, I didn't like playing sports Okay. for, for performance aspects or competition. Sure. So I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't fun for me to compete. So then again, that's another aspect of like growing up is yeah. like, the other kids are playing sports and you're not. It's like, uh, well, now I can't meet that. Yeah. You know? Well, um, I think it's super interesting because you know, from a nutrition aspect. And it was really funny as we did the interview, I kind of said, you know, there was a mind blowing moment that nutrition is not just about being on a diet or directly related to losing weight because my experience with nutrition 
and kind of the culture that I grew up in was you kind of ate whatever you wanted unless you needed to lose weight. And then, then you went on a diet, but the older I get, the more that I realize that even people who are super skinny that just eat complete garbage for food are not healthy. Like you watch these Mm -hmm. people that are 50 years old, thin as a board, having a heart attack. It's like, that's the proof that those people aren't healthy. And it was really interesting for me, my kind of aha moment. So I played soccer from the time I was four years old until I was in my early 20s. I still play a little bit now, but I wouldn't consider myself a soccer player by any means. By other people's standards, you are. Right. Yeah, maybe. But I, I remember being on the college soccer team. And when we would travel, we would go to fast food restaurants for our meals, which I would say most schools, they would frown upon that because it's not good food for you. If you eat it right before you play, you've got this brick of grease in your stomach and it just, it wasn't great. But our goal every time we went into a place was how much food can you get for the allotted money you were allowed to spend? Oh, sure. Yeah. When there's a budget in play. Exactly. You go into McDonald's, you got $7 to spend. It's like, well, if I get you know, six McDoubles, you know, that's a lot of food like that. And that was always the goal. Like who can get the best or the most food. And even to the point of, you know, we'd go to, you know, old country buffet or something like that. It's just like, you just eat and eat and eat. But I was, I mean, I'm almost 50 pounds heavier than I was back then. But I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm probably way more nutritiously healthy than I am today than I was in college. But the whole thing was because of how much I was working out and how many miles I was running and all of those things, I didn't have to pay attention to what I put into my body because it just all burned off. And that didn't make me healthier in that, you know, time. And I probably could have been a lot better athlete if I would have been cognizant of those things. But those are the things, you know, as I look at this and we talk about, you know, what, what, what is the goal been? The goal is for me has always been to lose weight. Like that's why you look at your nutrition. That's why you go on a diet. And I would say that it's changed over time. And a lot of that comes from having a daughter now and trying to figure out, you know, how do you teach a a little kid how to eat and how to eat well. And, you know, so a lot of that, you know, know, the saying more is caught than taught, I think really comes to light in that because she's going to look at, you know, what me and her mom eat. And she's going to want to eat the same things, whether that's healthy or not. You know, if it's ice cream and right, cake right. and all those things, you know, she's going to want to eat that. If we're eating, yeah. you know, salads and healthy meats and things like that, then she's going to want to eat that. And so, yeah, just trying to flip that on its head to say like, yeah, I do. I would love to be back to the weight that I was when I was playing soccer, like 24 mm-hmm. seven. First off, I probably need to like, let go of the idea that I really, I don't play or I'm not that physically active anymore. I, I probably have to let go of that a little bit, but also to really look at and say, and, and this was the mind blowing part from Amanda say, you know, if I just focus on eating healthy and not getting sucked into having to count calories or any of those types of things, there's going to be a lot of freedom in that and probably a lot more long-term health benefits Right. and focus right. more on, you know, getting out and getting, you know, doing physical activity, those types of things. Yeah, there's just a lot more there than I I mean my my focus on nutrition was so narrow I think uh before this conversation even you know in the last couple of years it's just super narrow. Yeah. I remember one of the like you, you mentioned, you know, having your daughter um one of the motivating factors for me with like having kids too is like my mom always had this picture of her and her dad from when she was growing up so this is mm-hmm. black and white picture. Um but it was 
her dad is holding her and she's like one or two years old. So he's, you know, holding her like you hold a kid or whatever. Um, yeah. And he's out in their front yard and he's just got jeans on and his shirt off. And he's just like <laughs> this super cut like guy, you know, just like sure. chiseled. Um, everybody said that he looked like Rock Hudson. And um, <laughs> and I just like, that's why I want my kids to be able to look back at a picture of me with my mm. shirt off and be able to say like, my dad looked good. Um, but at the same time, like, if that's my goal, like how, mm. you know, how poorly manufactured will all of my uh, devices and all of my practices be then? Because it's like, yeah. they're just aiming for it because I want my kids to see how good I looked when they get older and be able to show their kids and grandkids, like, look at grandpa. Um, yeah. You know, he was great. But like, that's not what matters, you know? Yeah. And if that's the driving force, then I, you know, a lot of things that Amanda said, like, really caused me to reevaluate and say, mm -hmm. like, what am I aiming for here? Yeah. Caring for myself, stewarding my, my body well, mm -hmm. and making sure that it is at the place it needs to be, or like making sure that I don't have any fat on my body. Right. You know, what's truly healthier there. Definitely. I think one of the other things that Amanda brought up that I felt like was really almost kind of a paradigm shift was looking at eating from a budgeting perspective. Mm -hmm. So uh, probably a good thing to clarify, I'm in finance. Sean is not in finance. She just kind of looped <laughs> us both in there, but I'll, 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 let, I'll let Sean explain what he does at a later point in time. But I mean, for me, that that's very relatable. But uh, I think mm -hmm. the other thing that it brought to mind is with a budget, you don't spend the same amount of money every single day. You spend different amounts every day based on kind of what's going on. You know, you fill up the yeah. gas once a week and it might not what be the, the same are. day of the week, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of times when we're looking at these, maybe we would call them fad diets or you know, diets that people are on to lose weight. A lot of times it's, you, know, you got to be at 2000 calories or less, or, you know, you've got so many points to use for today. And I, and I like the way that she shifted that and really brought it to more of a weak idea. So looking at and saying, okay, if I'm gonna go out to eat on a Friday night with my family, I'm actually gonna save some calories from my week to know that that's gonna be there. And I thought that that was really important because it's not saying I can't do that or I need to abstain from that. It's just planning for that. But then the effect of that is at a later point or you know earlier in the week, I have to eat less calories on a day where maybe I'm more sedentary or maybe I don't have as much going on to plan for that thing happening on Friday. So I just thought that that was an interesting kind of give take idea and looking more at it from a budget standpoint and maybe saying, you know, I've got 10,000 calories I can eat this entire week. How do I break those up and really plan for the celebrations, the things that would fall outside of a normal diet? Also, I think there's, you know, some self-control and things like that. Like she talked about from some of the principles that we can learn from scripture that apply there. But yeah, yeah. I just thought that that was a really interesting kind of shift of the framework of how we think about nutrition and how we can apply that to our lives. Yeah. I think that's so, that was so key for me too. I mean, Andrew mentioned that I, I'm not in finance at all, which, <laughs> which will play into a lot of our uh, later conversations as we get into certain things, but budgeting is something you know because i'm not in finance don't have that mm -hmm. training is always something that's kind of not a foreign concept to me but something that has to be learned mm -hmm. and um i have to be educated on almost every time yeah. i use one a, a budget so to speak and i think it's the same with what she says about you know yeah. the food and things that we put in our body like 
you do have to allocate things for certain mm-hmm. times and certain occasions and certain needs and based on what your body's going through like are you sick this week or mm-hmm. are you know i don't know are you wanting to do a 5k are you getting older you know are there certain mm-hmm. things that like it needs to be allocated for at certain times like is there a family celebration coming up or mm-hmm. you know a potluck that you're going to or something you know where you're not going to yeah. be able to you know, like you said you can't section it out to where it's like i've got this large amount of calories to pull from and i've got to make it equal every single day and stress out right. about that like you know factor in things like if we're you know you know we talk about like you know on this podcast we're going to talk about time and finances mm-hmm. and stuff and like you do have to factor things in like you know when you're budgeting your time you have to factor in things like rest when you're mm-hmm. doing your finances you have to factor in things like uh, vacations and, and time off you know yeah like, and i think it's the same it has to be the same with food you can't just say like right. straight up no sugar no desserts no everything like that like you know you're, you're gonna supremely stress yourself out yeah and that's and that's what's happened to me in the past when i've done things like I, you know, I'm not going to name the program because I don't want to just like name drop on the <laughs> podcast here and then get sued or something. But like, you know, I've tried programs and where they've been temporarily successful, mm-hmm. but I've been stressing so much about things that I just like, man, I am not enjoying this. I am not, yeah. in, you know, being able to live really mm-hmm. in, you know, in the freedom that I've been given. Yeah. I think it's interesting because again, another topic that we're going to talk through is community but part of that aspect really plays into this nutrition idea. When you're a part of community, oftentimes you end up eating similarly to the people that you're around. Yeah, so I if love you're that tr- about community. Right, exactly. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people love, you know, potlucks and, you know, sharing meals together. There's, there is something special to being around a, a table with people and um, sharing a meal together. And I think we see this in the life of Jesus as well as he shares, you know, Obviously, the Last Supper probably being the most famous meal that he shares with somebody, but there's other points in scripture where he shares meals as well. Yeah. But you start to look at and see you're at, a lot of what comes to the table is out of control, out of your control when you're in community. You know, you're going to have somebody yeah. that's going to bring, you know, what they would normally eat for a meal or, a, a, you know, something to share. And so, again, looking at that budgeting idea and kind of applying it to the community aspect as well becomes really important because then you can step into those times where it is a community thing and the food that's brought is out of your control and you don't have to completely fall off the bandwagon because, oh, wait, I don't eat sugar, but everything here has sugar in it. Or, you know, I don't, I don't eat carbs and, oh man, everything here has carbs. You can much more realistically approach those things and fully engage enjoy your time and what's going on you don't have to feel the guilt that amanda talked about as well and yeah we can just be a little bit more health conscious a little bit better with our nutrients that we're taking in and yeah i just feel like there's so many areas of life that this touches because you know what we eat allows us to do so many things but it's also a lot of times what brings people together in our culture as well yeah and i think you know touching on that like that biblical aspect of it as well like so many times you know, if you're a follower of Christ, a lot of times when you're talking about a certain topic in life, you want to know exactly what does scripture say about this thing so I can know what to do. Yeah. You know, and one of the things that she mentioned is we look at scripture, you know, as a whole from beginning to end, and there's not a lot, a lot of places where we can find a prescriptive, like, this is what you must do as far as yeah. food. You yeah. know, and, and you know, in the Old Testament, they were given very specifics on certain things based on you know, their culture and context and different things. But she said that, you know, one of the things is that there's a lot of descriptives though about mm-hmm. healthy living, yep. about good principles and practices. 
you know, things like self-control, things like not being a sluggard, things like not giving yourself over to gluttony, you know, things that were constantly talked about throughout scripture. Yeah. Um, that are just things of, this is how you are to live, but it doesn't say don't eat chocolate. You know, it doesn't say, um, <laughs> yeah. don't pick up a burger every once in a while, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Like that's what we're looking for. Yeah. And so when we can't find those things, a lot of things we do is we rely on different, different resources that, have, that our culture gives us, you know, yeah. programs, diets, articles we can read different that, you know, the latest thing that comes out about this particular kind of food or mm-hmm. calorie intake or what's your, what's your BMI. Yeah. And so what, what is that thing that she said? That's like, when we're constantly doing that, what we're doing for ourselves. But she, she talked about being over-informed. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's the part that you're referring to, but I did think that was interesting because we, we do live in the information age, you know, she, right. she made the comment that, you know, we have so much information at our fingertips and we're just constantly analyzing how we eat, what we eat, you know, what different things are in what we're eating. And we're almost, we're just making nutrition way more complex, which partially I think what she was talking about there was that really plays into some of the marketing that we see in some of these companies and programs to get you to engage with how they're you know, encouraging people to do their dieting and things like that, which, you know, can be good, can be, you know, a little bit restrictive or kind of put you in a bad place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we just really simplify things back down to, you know, we need to eat a lot of vegetables and fruit and protein and, you know, we need some dairy and, you know, carbs aren't the worst thing in the world. You know, we just need to be, you know, we need everything in moderation is really what it came down to. And yeah, I just thought it was interesting that she was looking at that, you know, another piece of what she was talking about there was kind of outsourcing the intelligence, right? Yeah, which that's I think what I was thinking, yeah, 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 it's, I just, I think that's such a good kind of terminology for that. Cause there's so many yep. things that we do that with where it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for, you know, it can be, it can be positively motivated. Like, oh, I'm just really not good at this. So I'm just going to, you know, outsource the intelligence, but at the same time, so many things are learned when we actually step into hard things and it, sh- you know, it can help develop character and things like that. And so I think she was yep. specifically talking about the different programs and apps instead of really learning, how do I teach myself how to eat? How do I put myself in an environment where I can eat and be nutritious no matter what's going on whether i'm engaging community or doing stuff on my own it's you know we're outsourcing the intelligence to these programs to tell us you know how much can i eat what should i be eating you know red light yellow light green light to tell me you know am i eating the right foods or not and i thought something else that was interesting out of that was you know she talked about you know she was talking about noom specifically because they use the red yellow green um, system there she talked about uh, nuts and seeds. Well, nuts and seeds show yeah. up as a red item in Noom because they're super calorie dense. They've got oil, a lot of fat to them. But realistically, they're super nutritious for you. So, you know, if we're yeah. putting that in a red category, really, it's kind of a, a, a double edged sword where those things are actually really healthy for you. You should eat them, but maybe you shouldn't eat a ton of them. But again, we're outsourcing the intelligence. And so a lot of people would tell you, you know, ah that's not really good for you to eat. You should probably eat, you know, a leaf of lettuce instead or something like that. And yeah, I just thought that that was a really interesting idea of we really do need to kind of take ownership for the things that we're eating, what we know about our diet, all of those types of things. And one of, one of the things with that, that really she helped me to understand about the outsourcing your intelligence is like, there are 
benefits to those apps. You know, there mm-hmm. are short-term benefits that you can play into. Yeah. That you can feel after a certain point, you can feel good. Yeah. Um, you know, but then people get to these points where they plateau and they've reached this, you know, where they've, they've depended on this app for so long. They depended on this program for so long. And then something happens where there's yeah. a discouraging point and she name dropped it. So I'll say it, but things like Noom where she says, you know, there's, there's intelligence, intelligence or psychological things that they try to teach you. Right. But at the same time, you are depending on something to, at a certain point, do it for you mm-hmm. to walk you through this process. And there's this crutch that's built. And then after yeah. a while, if it becomes discouraging and you lose that crutch, you didn't really learn something. You might've yeah. read something, but the retention doesn't exactly happen if it's not cultivated through, through self-education, through yeah. trial and error, through like learning it and failing and coming back to it, you know, mm-hmm. and you and I talked about this, but one of the points that she made was like the, if you don't want to be like on a, a diet app or program for the <laughs> rest of your life, you might not want to start with one either. Yeah. Um, because that's what you're going to learn. It's like, I just have to run to this thing and that's, yep. what's going to make it better. And in a way like that can feed into the idea that just as much as like caring for your body and working out and eating a certain way or a certain kind of diet can become idolatry. So can like overeating and yeah. other parts of our food and our nutrition can become idolatry too. So like it goes both ways Definitely. just because you're, you feel like you're caring for your body at one point doesn't mean that you're not causing that thing to become an idol in your life as well. Yeah, definitely. So Sean, I mean, anything from this conversation that kind of makes you want to run out and do something or maybe gives you kind of a change of mindset or yeah, just kind of curious, you know, what, what are you going to do with this conversation from here? I mean, my brain could say so much, I'm going to do so <laughs> much, but I, mean, I, I know me, so I'm not yeah. going to like, I'm just going to, I'm going to change everything. Yeah. I'm gonna wipe. I'm going to go into my pantry and my fridge. I'm just going to wipe out everything that's bad. Yeah. Like, no, I, I think one thing it's going to do for me is at least as far as a mindset standpoint goes is recognize these are things in, the, in my life that I can't allow to become, to overtake the things that are more important, you know, to instilling in myself and my kids, like I need to be viewing these things in a proper way as if I'm, I'm caring for my body. I'm not causing my body to be put on a pedestal though. Yeah. You know, but at the same time that I can't allow these type of behaviors, like depending on a diet or depending on looking better, depending on losing weight to be the thing that's going to fulfill me. And that's going to allow me to, to live the best life that I'm supposed to be living while I'm here on this earth, you know, cause I can take away from so much. And I think I've experienced that from all the different mm-hmm. things that I've tried or the different mindsets I've tried to adopt and be like, you know, one of the things that she mentioned was that food in itself, it's, it's part of what we need all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's so unique and it's so interrelated to a lot of different things for every person. You know, what your food likes and dislikes are. What's your body type? Yeah. What are the resources that you have? So I think that's one of the conversations, the continuing conversations that my wife and I'll probably take from this as a family is just like, okay, based on what we have and what's available to us, how are we going to use that to just care for ourselves? Yeah. um, To take care of that body that we've been given and not to freak out so much on it doesn't look like blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't weigh this number, you know, because I I think I focus, I've spent too much time on that. Yeah. And I don't want to waste it. Yeah. I think that's really good perspective, you know, for a takeaway from this conversation. And I think, I think when I said, you know, in the interview that, that that was the mind blowing thing is because, yeah, we spend so much time 
trying to find the thing or, you know, how should I eat or how do I lose X amount of pounds? And yeah, I just, I so appreciated the fact that, you know, we can be approaching nutrition in a way that is very healthy for us. And even if it doesn't reflect in scale numbers or anything like that, you know, we can, we can be healthy people making healthy choices and um, moving in the right direction. And, you know, I think it's both for ourselves and like you said, for our kids as well to, to help them have a better understanding of approaching food without, from a direction of, we need this, we have to take it in. We can use it to celebrate, but you know, there's seasons for those types of things or moments for those types of things. That's not how we eat all the time. And Mm -hmm. just being more conscious kind of over the across the board of you know what am i taking in how do i categorize those things instead of eating ice cream every day you know is there a day of the week that it makes sense to eat ice cream or yeah just trying to think through that more and yeah maybe apply that budget framework as well yeah i'm gonna have to reevaluate my ice cream budget but yeah my ice cream budget's got to be way bigger than every other budget so (laughs) (laughs) yeah Oh, that's great. You that's say it's great. the right time of day to eat ice cream. It was like, oh, you said week, and I was like, time of week. I mean, I was like, it's about eight thirty at night. I think that's a good time for ice cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I mean, I will say, that. yeah, I will say, when it comes to nutrition, ice cream is probably my biggest weakness. Somebody mm-hmm. asked me at one point in time, like, is there a time of year that it's easiest for you to be on a diet or you know eat more healthy and all of that and. I definitely said kind of fall into the winter because mm. the drive to eat ice cream is a little bit less because it's a little bit cooler outside. But man, through the summer, I think I could eat ice cream at least once a day, every day, yeah. if not multiple times a day. I don't know why, mm. but just so good. Just imagine if you lived in a warmer climate though, and then it's a year round struggle. Yeah. Good thing I live in Michigan, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think there's so many different places that this conversation can go, but I also think we'll find as we go on, and I think the listeners will find too, that like this conversation is so connected to a lot of the different ones that we're yes, going to have in the future. For sure. Well, this has been a great follow-up to kind of our main conversation. And yeah, we'll continue to do these, uh, walk through the different conversations that we're having and some of our takeaways. And hopefully this is helpful to all the listeners to you know, take it a, a few steps further. For sure. Thanks for listening to our afterthoughts. We'd love to hear yours by connecting with us on social media or drop us a line at our email, thestewardshippodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for another stewardship conversation. Stewardship.